I just had to learn to continuously practice active gratitude. And now I meditate on gratitude and it's just extremely important. Integrity as well. I've been in sales all my life and I've sold things that, you know, I, it was like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and sometimes I didn't feel like companies were being integral. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. I am your host, Tracy Atsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 222 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. My purpose is always to show you who you are and then, of course, inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something. Not one. And so, of course, I am just delighted to introduce you to Jen Combs. Jen is a 54-year-old adopted woman who grew up labeled with all of the nasty adjectives that are sometimes associated with ADHD. While growing up, her adoptive mom got sick when she was 13 and refused medical care. Her dad really struggled with coping. He'd come home from work every day, would drink, and then pass out in another room. Jen's mom passed away when she was 15. Her dad moved to Florida, and Jen has scraped by since then on her own, getting married, divorced, and all the while raising three kids. She's another example of the mommy factor in ADHD women, right? She was diagnosed at 34 after her son was diagnosed with ADHD. But Jen took medication, but didn't do much more. Recently, however, she became hyperfixated on learning about her ADHD and wrote me in an email. And this is what she said. Tracy, thank you. I listen to ADHD for smart-ass women daily. I only discovered you this year when I wanted to learn more about my ADHD and came up with the bright idea to search for ADHD podcasts on a long road trip. I listened to a bunch of episodes of other podcasts and not one of them flipped my switches as yours did. Well, thanks, Jen. Thanks for the gold stars. You've reinforced that for me, this is a superpower. I see the pre-diagnosis workarounds I figured out on my own that helped me to survive while raising myself from the age of 13, really. I now understand that this affected far more about me than I thought, and I see how many women were not diagnosed and labeled stupid and lazy, and how this affected our self-esteem. I now understand that medication is not the only thing that helps me to be my best self, why exercise makes me invincible, and why I'm always the hardest worker at any job that allows me the freedom to create a process. My dyscalculia made school almost impossible. I, however, found success through my innate ability to listen around corners and through walls, to read people and their needs and care enough to help. 
You gave me the motivation to continue to bug the crap out of my boss until I landed my dream job where I am part of literally saving dogs' lives and restoring the lost human-canine bond. I finally had the opportunity to display the gift of extreme empathy given to me by my ADHD. It didn't start out as something I even wanted to do, and I knew it. But you gave me, I think you were saying the lady balls, to shove my foot and... (laughs) Vaginas are much stronger, right? We birth babies. Anyway, to shove my foot firmly in the door, and I made it something they needed. I've done this with many jobs. I like to say, I don't climb ladders, but create my own rungs. This job feeds my passion like no other, and you are part of getting me, getting me there. Tracy, you're the advocate and voice that was missing all my life. And then you say a bunch of other nice things. Jen, welcome. Did I get all of that right? You you most certainly did. Things have changed, but I have to say that I am completely blown away that you invited me on the show, and I'm so thankful and grateful to be talking to you. I, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> please, 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 please. I just loved so many of the things that you said, and I thought that those things would really resonate with a lot of our listeners. And I want to go through, I highlighted a bunch of things in that email that I wanted to ask you about. But before we go there, can we do the usual? And can we talk about your ADHD diagnoses first? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So I was actually, I, you know, I struggled growing up and everything. Like, If we could go back on that a little bit. Yeah, let's start with what was going on in during your childhood, because clearly there was a lot going on and there must have also been a lot of trauma. Yeah, I believe there's probably trauma. (laughs) Yes. But the thing is, is, you know, growing up and everything like that, I struggled, I struggled in school, et cetera. And, you know, the diagnosis came when I was 34 years old and my son had brought home this thing and he says, you know, you need to check off this thing, take this survey for me. The teacher gave it to me. Yes. Let's back up and let's start with, let's start with early childhood. Okay. Okay. So just because I want everybody to get the full picture here. So when you were, let's say in grade school, were you struggling in school then? I struggled in school from the very beginning. Absolutely. I always struggled in school. I was, I guess, the daydreamer. I was, you know, I was the talker in class. I was the one who was talking to the kid next to me. I was always looking to help people with their own stuff. So I wasn't staying in my own lane. So people say, yeah, yeah. I, as a matter of fact, my best friend that I mentioned in the, I believe I mentioned it in the bio, she struggled with, what is it? She was a, you know, like just socially, she was a social phobe. So, so I would she had actually, social anxiety? She had social anxiety and I saw she was just so nervous. So I would talk to her and make her laugh, which was disruptive. So I kind of, I always thought that I only had ADHD, but looking back now, I know that I have the combined type. I have both because wait a minute. So, so you thought that maybe you were only into inattentive, but now, but you think you're combined type. So you have some hyperactivity and some inattention. Yes. Yes. And like you, the, the drive is part of that. Yeah. Of the hyperactivity. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that workaholic. Okay. So, so you were a young child you're struggling in school. What were your parents like during this? Were they really supportive or were they causing some anxiety as well as the school system? Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. And I understand their struggle and everything, but especially math because of the dyscalculia, Uh I I can never pronounce that. (laughs) Apparently, Jen, there are several ways to pronounce it. There's two ways, excuse me, and I can never remember which is the right one. So I know there's dyscalculia or dyscalcula, and then there's a third one, and one of them's wrong, and I'm sure I always say it the wrong way. Well, the only way I can remember is saying dyscalcula, so I'll like the count, you know? Yeah, okay. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense in my head. But yeah, it it was very rough because the teachers, they were getting notes and, you know, 
I had all those comments on my report card saying that, you know, Jen is very bright. It's, you know, she talks too much in class and she really needs help with math. Can you help her? And, you know, no one can help me. It was very difficult. I always thought of numbers as something like, how could, seven has nothing to do with eight. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that can add up to 15, right? Mm-hmm. What does 15 have to do with seven or eight? I don't get it. Yeah. So, you know, that was, does it even say? So were your parents coming down on you too, or was it just the school? Were they, they frustrated because you weren't? They were very frustrated. My dad, in fact, he he went after me a couple of times and I had to find an escape route. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So it was rough. It was rough. And it was all, it was a couple of times and then he just gave up on trying to teach me math. Mm. And I was constantly told that, you know, my mom would say, you know, I need to take up basket weaving class. And, oh. you know, I just always had this ignorance is bliss kind of attitude. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, they're making fun of me. And I would laugh it off. And, you know, dad told me I wasn't the brightest bulb in the pack and all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the most nurturing environment in that way, but they were very loving in other ways. Okay. So, they didn't understand yeah. though, right? They, I'm sure they thought, well, she's just not trying hard enough because she doesn't care. Right. I, I would have frustrated the daylights out of myself as well. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, even my son raising him, that was difficult because I could find a hundred different ways. And I didn't know that this was something I could find a bunch of different ways to organize him because I had figured out how to do that myself pre-diagnosis and post-diagnosis. But he needed to find his own way. Yeah. And now I understand that from listening to Ned Hollowell, which yeah. introduced me to. So I needed to ask him how he needed to be taught. I right. had no idea. And, you know, turning back time now, you know, start with my son. And I've been trying to work with him a little bit. And and it's rough. It's rough for parents. So I forgive them and I get it. Absolutely. Okay, so then you're struggling in school. School is not the most pleasant place. And then your mom gets sick? Yeah, yeah. She got sick when I was 13. And that was, of course, rough. I started seeing it. You know, there was blood in in the toilet and things like that. And I came home from school and I had to bust the pane to the window to get the door open for a couple of days. And then I was asking her, did you eat today? And, you know, she hadn't. So I started staying home from school and I called an ambulance a couple of times thinking that they would take her and then realized they won't without her consent. Oh, gee. And And she wouldn't go? No, she wouldn't go. She didn't want to. She didn't trust doctors. She also had an accident that rendered her sterile. So they couldn't save her, you know, her sterility, I guess, or her, her, her function, right. Her functioning. So I think that was part of what made her. Yeah. That sounds like doctors. Yeah. Okay. And she wanted just a litter of kids, you Mm -hmm. know, fantastic. She really was. Yeah. Yeah. So I started staying home when I was 13 and missing a lot of school and you know, on top of being a bad student. Uh-huh. So I was had to take care of her because I'd come home and have to bust the pane out the window to get the door open because she couldn't get up to open the door. They didn't trust me with the key. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. And um, Were you the only child or did you have siblings? I was an only child. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I would come home to a mess sometimes. So the creativity came in with learning how to turn a patient and learning how to, you know, help her drink water when she wasn't able to swallow and, you know, and how to help her with the bathroom and everything. So it was. And Jen, up until then, she had been perfectly healthy. Uh, Well, she was always thin and she was, she couldn't. She couldn't lift her, her, what was it? Let me, let me do this with my arm here. Her right arm to turn on the light switch. That's the only thing that I had noticed about her. Mm-hmm. But other than that, she was pretty healthy and it was just a decline. I remember it was 13 when I started having to let myself in the house. And before that I had noticed 
the blood in in the bathroom. So, yeah. Oh, you poor thing. And so you are basically the only person there taking care of your mother? Yeah, during the day. And my dad, like I said, he would drink at night and we got into a couple of fights about it. You know, I was like, you got to do something. And I blamed him for a long time thinking that he didn't push her, but you couldn't. I mean, I called an ambulance and then 14, I actually tried, was 14, it was close to 15. I actually had a suicide attempt oh, because my thinking was I'm a minor and she has to go with me. Dad's not home. Oh, Jan. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you, you so know. Let me get this straight. You figured if I do this, then she's going to be so worried about me that she's going to have to go to the hospital too. I just thought she would be forced to. Wow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a mite. I was 15, I was 14 and a half. So oh. yeah. And when I got home, she passed away the day after I was, you know, institutionalized for a while. You poor thing. It was well, but I'm okay. Of course. Yeah. Now, but I mean, I'm just thinking of well, I shouldn't say, of course, now. I shouldn't say that at all. Yeah. I'm just thinking of this 14-year-old child, right? And I'm sure you think of that, too. You know, almost yeah. like it's it's someone else, but, you know, taking care of yourself kind of thing. Yeah. So a lot of people, and I just want to say this because it's important, a lot of people think that, oh, it's just ADHD. You know, it's not that serious. And that is not true, especially for ADHD women. So you need to know that women with ADHD have a greater propensity towards self-harm and suicide than the general population. In fact, there was a study in Canada that found that approximately 23% of ADHD women have attempted suicide. And this is compared to 8% of ADHD men, so three times higher likelihood, and 3% of women without ADHD, so almost eight times higher likelihood for women without ADHD, that they would have attempted suicide. Women who have the combined type of ADHD or the hyperactive impulsive subtypes are believed to be more at risk. And of course, it makes sense because we're impulsive. So, you know, this idea that, oh, it's not that big of a deal, it can be a very big deal for women with ADHD. So I just want to make sure that I mention that. Oh, okay. Keep going. Oh my gosh, Jen. <laughs> so, Oh, don't be, that's all right. I actually wrote Dr. Hallowell about this too. He was like, I have a lime-sized lump in my throat. And he's and so then, lovely. You know, he will respond. He's just so lovely. Okay, he, wanted, going. he wanted to do a Zoom meeting with me. I was like, oh, oh. you silly guy. And yes, but I don't think so. But so, oh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. So where was I? Yeah, dad decided after he needed to move to Florida, that we needed to move to Florida. And he did want me to go with him. And I had the friend with social phobia that mm -hmm. literally, literally, Tracy, needed to be talked out of a closet for family get-togethers. Oh, my god! He would try to hide in the closet. And at that time, very bad habit. Don't anybody do this. We both smoked cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to bribe her to get a closet with, you know, it's like, I can't give you a cigarette unless you're at least sitting with me in the room. You know, that's a huge fire hazard, you know, and I would make you laugh and you got, you got to torch your house here, you know, and Aww. she would come out and everything. And we would sit and I would talk to her about how awesome her family is. And, you know, and eventually she would come out, but she was attached. Right. So I was oh. what I call her whoopee. Oh, so I couldn't leave. I couldn't. And you are such a lovely human being. You know that, right? Well, I I hope so. I mean, I, I try. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank From you. the time you were a little one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, so she couldn't leave. And, you know, dad, he did was he tried to force the issue in a way. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, I'm going to pay the, the property taxes and for your heat because those are absolute necessities. He goes, but you're going to have to make it on your own. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so, so he was going to leave you in the house and you were supposed to pay the mortgage at 15? Yeah, not the mortgage. No, 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 no. The mortgage was paid off. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was just the, the property taxes. You wanted to make sure you didn't lose the house. Right. Exactly. So exactly. He tried. 
and uh-huh. he thought for sure that I would end up going down there, yeah, you know, to Florida. And I mean, he bought a place with a dog run because we wanted to breed beagles, and right next to a a horse farm, which was my absolute. I was like over the top excited about it, but I couldn't leave my friend. Mm. So I, and it was the taxes, the property taxes that he paid, and the and propane, and then I was supposed to pay the rest. What I ended up doing was getting sales jobs and customer service jobs. So, you know, deli work and cashier. And so were you still in school at this point or no? No. Okay. No. So after 15, you never went back to school during that period? I wanted to. And because they put me in a, once they realized what happened, Mm -hmm. they turned me in a, oh, you're going to love this story. They tried to put me in a, what is that? Vocational school. Yeah. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, dog grooming or cosmetology? And they were like, okay. And then just before I started, they said, all we have left is nursing aid. Oh, my. And well, I was you know like, you're good at that. Well, yeah, yeah. So a drama. <laughs> yeah, I got the workbook. And this is the rebel in me. So you're not going to think I'm so sweet anymore. <laughs> but I, um, I went to the school with pack of cigarettes and that workbook and I slapped it on the table. <laughs> I said, I'm not doing this. And she was like, what, what are you talking? You can't have that in here. And then she started flipping through the book and seeing in the beginning of the book, it was a lot of what I had been doing. And I filled it out angrily. And um, there was no consideration, Jen, for what you had just gone through. It was kind of kept in the dark. That was something that we were very, you know, I wasn't supposed to be mentioning it, the whole deal. It was just, you know, don't tell people that your mother was sick for a long time. Don't, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I couldn't tell people in school, tell teachers in school what was going on. It was very in the, in the dark. There were people that could have stepped in, but it was, you know, what would have been the late seventies and just, it wasn't like that. And people blamed me because here I am ditzy and, you know, and bad student. And they're just thinking that I'm effing off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I left it at that. There was nothing that I could really, or I felt that I could really do about it other than calling the ambulance for my mom a couple of times. Yeah. But once they did kind of realize it, they tried to put me in the vocational school. I did not want to do that. But the woman, when she started looking through and you talk about gold stars, she was like, this is right. She's like, you know how to turn a patient, you know how to do this, that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I was doing it with my mom. So she knew. And she said, go over there to the window with the cigarette. And she sat down with me and talked to me. And, you know, of course, there was a lot of crying. And she said, you could do this. And she said, if you want to go into something else next year, go into something else. She says, but you're already ahead of the class Mm -hmm. and this might be your way. And was this the first time that someone had actually said, I think you'd be really good at anything? My mom used to tell me that, well, I drew really well. Mm -hmm. In art class, I was next to this guy, Derek Dryman, and he's actually the artist who does SpongeBob. I was right next to him. Yeah. And he sat there and he would like look at my work. I'd look at his work. I was like, this is awesome. And we had down the hallway school were the best female student, the best male student, you know, because they did stuff like that. They weren't woke back then. (laughs) (laughs) And they had our art projects on the walls constantly. And it was just us, which I didn't think was fair. They should have picked other people. But uh, yeah, my mom loved my artwork. She would tell my dad, you know, look at what she drew. And he would dismiss it. He would sit there and look at the TV and he'd go, that's nice. And I could see he wasn't looking. So, but that was what I, I was good at. And back then, and then when she said that, yeah, it was gold stars all over the place. And I was so excited. So I okay, did so- stay in school. But dad talked me out of it. And it was two days of arguing. And he just kept saying, you're a beautiful woman. You'll marry a nice, rich man someday. Aww. So that put me off rich men. 
I was like, that's not in my budget, Dad. That's, that's not in my budget. You know, even as, as a kid, I was like, that's not the way you live life. Yeah. I, I understood that, you know? Yeah, you needed so. to do something for yourself. You needed to live to your potential. Right. So and she boosted, boosted me a little bit there, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you did it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did it. I, I made a living, you know, did I scrape by just the way you said it was, it was rough. And, you know, I would put money under the mattress for, you know, certain bills and everything like that. And he came back a lot. Dad would come back and, you know, and visit and stuff. And then he met a woman and, but I was in the house by myself, 16, you know, cause he had finally made the final move right. at 16 until I was married. And as a matter of fact, until I was 43, I moved wow. to Virginia. Wow. So you lived in the home you grew up in until you were 43? Yeah. Yeah. And I started paying the taxes after I divorced my ex. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So tell us the story then of your son being diagnosed. Okay. So, all right. So he was, he came home with that paper and I'm sitting there and I'm checking off, you know, like Philly, it was a fill in the dots. Like, is this, what do you call that? Just bad or is it really bad or is it you know what I'm saying it was a three different rating and I was like okay yeah that's pretty the behavior ratings yeah yeah and then Uh I'm realizing wow you know that's me too oh my goodness hmm but you had been diagnosed before right had you forgotten no I wasn't diagnosed yet oh you had not been no I I was diagnosed yeah at 34 I was diagnosed you know what I'm mixing you up with my my guest from yesterday (laughs) Sorry. Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You have voices here. It's fine. Okay. So had you thought all along before you were diagnosed or before your son was diagnosed and you're sitting there filling out these behavior rating scales, had you thought, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. I don't think like normal people. I I thought I was weird. I mean, who grabs their friend and puts their arm around them and starts singing show tunes, you know, Grease. They're walking through the school hallways, right? Who does that, Jen? Yeah. And, and joined in because how could you not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I knew I was weird. I knew I was weird. And I wondered how everybody got through things. Like, how do you sleep at night? You know, I'm, I'm busy drawing and I'm busy writing poetry and, you know, learning the lyrics to songs so I can sing them really badly. It was just, or I'm dancing in my room, you know? So that, I guess, was the hyperactivity. But yeah, I I knew I was different. I knew I was unique. And, you know, people thought I was funny Mm -hmm. growing up. And I, I wondered how people retained what the teacher just said. Like, sometimes I'd shoot my hand up in class, and I completely forget what the teacher just asked. Yeah. And I'm like searching the room for cues. And I'm like, she was writing on the board, you know, okay, that was the question. And it was like, no, that was a question before, you know, and I'm like, I had the answer. I swear I had the answer. One of my teachers told me once that I, it's so wonderful to see you keep trying because a lot of the time I'd have the answer just a little bit off. It would be just a little bit off because it was kind of my interpretation of what she said because I seemed to learn relationally. Yeah. I would, I would give an example of my life as it relates to the answer and the teacher would be like, huh? Yeah. So yeah, I was weird. Well, and you were probably thinking, you know, even more deeply into it, right? Like third, fourth level, you weren't just at the topical level. You had already applied it to all kinds of things that <laughs> relevant to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, and that's, it was still like struggled in school because I needed to learn a different way. Yes. It is. It's a relational thing. I need to learn things as it relates to me. Yeah. So tell me about, so you're filling out these behavior rating scales with your son. I think that's the one. There's, there's like three different things they have you fill out. And I always forget what the actual name is of the one that we fill out, like as a patient. You're helping him fill this out or you're watching him fill this out. You're reading the questions. And do you remember the questions that you're looking at him and thinking, oh, my gosh, I think I might have this, too? (laughs) 
Not really. All that I all I know is what started happening is, you know, it was it was organizational questions. It was struggles to remember things. Um, often seems like they're not listening. Yeah, I do remember the questions, <laughs> but <laughs> and but they are listening. They answer after they say what you know what I'm saying. It yeah, was that type of a thing. And it was very you know back then it was very, I guess, basic is the way I would put it, right? It wasn't what we're learning today about what is that TPM that Dr. Hallowell and Rady were talking yeah. about. That's positive network. The demon and the angel. And yeah, it's, it's just, it was very basic what they, what they did. And I was putting little pencil marks next to the ones that I found that I had. So I went to my general practitioner and, and by the way, he had, you know, the severe or to middle in, as I put it, about eight of the symptoms and I had nine. And I kind of mm. was like, maybe for the 10th. Yeah. And when you went over these 30 questions that you had, I had all of them, Yeah, every single one of them. And Dr. Rady went over, there was a hundred of them and I had 75. Wow. So yeah, I got a bad or good. It's actually a gift. So yeah. I went to my doctor and I said, Travis was just diagnosed with ADHD and I think I might have it. He goes, I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> so I loved my doctor. He was amazing. And uh, I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah. He goes, he goes, I, he goes, I'm not the person that you're going to be talking to about this. He goes, but it's a pleasure to send you there. And what I want to do is <laughs> give you a one, you know, just because he had what was it, Concerta, in the office, mm -hmm. four cases like that. And he says, just call me the next day and let me know how this affected you. And he said, and that that's a good indication. This is like a test, right? Back then, this is a good indication of whether or not you have it, if you feel like it's it's made a big difference. Which, yeah, they, they don't say that today. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. It, it was nothing. My whole mm -hmm. diagnosis story is nothing like what I hear other people and I'm like, wow. Right. It's amazing how far we've come. But a lot of a lot of doctors would, you know, had said during that time that, oh, because the ADHD medication didn't work for you, that means you don't have ADHD, which, oh. you know, we know that at least 20% of us medication doesn't work. It's it's a horrible fact that so many people aren't, you know, diagnosed and that mm -hmm. women get diagnosed with other things because of course we're hormonal and hysterical and it's it's just right it's crazy medical you know? misogyny at its best <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and there's women that aren't as educated with it as well so of course it's something you have to look into because it's such a thing that masks you know with us masking how are we supposed to know but anyway so doctor, he sent me to a psychologist. And of course I didn't, I got lost the first day. It was like round the corner from my house. I got lost and I got charged for that. He reimbursed me in the end though, once he sat down with me and I was in the office with this doctor. Oh, and, and the pills work, by the way, I took the pill. I called the doctor crying the next day. It was like, oh my gosh, this is a miracle. I was like, I can't believe it. He goes, yeah, let me make you the appointment. So I got the referral with, I guess it's a psychiatrist, right? That for the that, medication, yes. Yes, I can actually, you know, write. Well, any medical doctor, but probably in this case, it would have been a psychiatrist. Right, and he was an ADHD specialist. So mm -hmm. I filled out the intake form and he takes the intake form and he goes, he goes, yeah, you have it. And he just like steepled his fingers in front of him. He goes, we can keep talking, but you have it. And I was like, well, He's just looking at all the scratch outs and the little notes and the little arrows that I have. This belongs up here. This is over here. And oh my goodness, vast space, you know? And <laughs> he just said, you have it. And then I said, well, why do you have pens in the waiting room and not pencils? I was like, you're testing people for ADHD. I don't understand this. And he's like, ah, sense of humor. So he, he, did talk to me for a while and he, he said, yeah, you definitely have it. I'll get you a script. And so that was my diagnosis story. And yeah. so again, it was the mommy factor, right? Your son was diagnosed and then it was like, oh, maybe I have it too. Right, right. So the heritability thing is, is in there. Definitely. How many kids? Oh, you have three kids and just one child has 
ADHD or? I'm not sure at this point. I, for some, you know, I, was it Karen Briard? I forget what her name was. Kristen Briard Goldsmith, right? Yeah, because I have her CBT work. Oh, Kristen Baird. Baird. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Maybe yeah, I'm the CBT um, therapist and ADHD. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm going through that workbook now. I love it. It's a great book. Oh, she's book is amazing. Yeah. So she, she had said, what did she say that? And it was a rhyme and I loved it and I forget what it was, but she said that, you know, like we see it in people, you know, if you, if you are it, you see it, something like that. And, uh, I we tend to attract, it. right? Well, I think we tend to attract other people with ADHD because, of course, they see themselves in us and vice versa. But yes. you start to notice what people with ADHD, like what their behaviors are. Exactly. Yeah, especially when you're obsessing. With it, you know, <laughs> then I have to sit there and learn when to shut my mouth. But because I'm like, drive, and it's like, no, don't. Not everybody's open to that. But my kids, as for my kids, I kind of see it a little bit in my daughter, but she had to deal with, now this, I feel, I adore her. We live within two minutes of each other. I kind of see it a little bit, but I'm not sure. And she's fine though, but she had to deal with me and her brother, right? Then my other son, it seems like he might as well, but- no one's been diagnosed. And the more I'm learning about it, the more I'd like to encourage them just to get tested. So it's rough. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, if they don't want to, it's not going to happen. So maybe they're, if they do have ADHD, their symptoms are not, you know, at the stage that they feel like they need help. Yes. Yeah. I would, you know, absolutely. That's something I should say at the level. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's just hard. So in your email, you said, I see the pre-diagnoses workarounds I figured out on my own that helped me to survive while raising myself from the age of 13. What did you mean by that? Well, Brene Brown is part of this too. All my heroes, all my heroes. Brene Brown did that, that talk that's so infamous now. And on Netflix. And uh, she was talks it about a TED gratitude. Talk or? Yeah. It, well, it was, um, it was, I think it was a TED Talk on Netflix or a Netflix special. I'm not sure, but I've seen both. She's said, yeah, you're that, right. Okay. I know what we're talking about now. Yeah. The one that got me was the one on Netflix. That's the first one that I saw. And then mm-hmm. I went down the, the Brene Brown rabbit hole, which is a beautiful place. But gratitude is the reason. I really feel like that, my intuition Because when I was alone, I really needed to learn who I could trust and who I couldn't. And I wasn't perfect, but I've gotten better with age. And I I really learned. And, you know, after my divorce, I found a phenomenal guy who unfortunately passed away in October. Uh, But he was, yeah, cancer again. And it was nine months struggling with that with him. But you have had a lot, haven't you, Jen? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a rough road. It's been a rough road, but again, the gratitude. <laughs> I love um, it. Though. despite all of this, you're here talking about gratitude because it works, huh? Oh my goodness, it's a muscle. You've said it. It's a muscle you need to flex all the time. You need to. I, I remember one time I was talking to a kid in job that I had. It was New Jersey Pets. It was an absolute phenomenal place to work, and this. My, my manager was like, you know, talk to the kids, talk to the kids all the time because I can, I can talk them through things. And she was in an argument with her boyfriend and I was like, you need to put your phone out in the car. You know what drives guys crazy? If you don't answer them. And, <laughs> and I was like, you're going to work and we're going to have fun. And, and despite all this stuff, and I was like, and you stop answering him, you're going to get your eyes. I'm sorry. And I talked to her about gratitude and I didn't realize it then. I was like, just look at little things that you could be thankful for because she was sad. And I found a stick of gum. I was like, look, a piece of gum. I was like, my breath is like bad right now. And I was like, I found a piece of gum. I was like, isn't this awesome? And she just looked at me like, oh my God. And <laughs> I'm like, what do you? And 
she's just like, okay. And she's gradually came out of it. You know, I would tell the kids to smile, look in the mirror and just smile, even if you're faking it. And because that sends heard somewhere that it sends like endorphins into your brain if you're smiling and if you're looking at somebody smiling. So if you don't see anybody smiling, you can come to me or look at yourself in the mirror. And they would come out and they'd be like, that's so weird. I feel better. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, so these were kind of the things that I learned. And even though, I mean, I've been through some rough stuff, I just had to learn, you know, to continuously practice active gratitude. And now I meditate on gratitude and it's just extremely important. Integrity as well. I've been in sales all my life and I've sold things that, you know, I, it was like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and sometimes I didn't feel like companies were being integral. And so now I'm at a job where I am working to make sure that senior citizens are getting the best care. So I'll be starting that job on Monday. I would not lower my standard for that, for the jobs that I was applying for. And it was scary, but I have some savings. So, you know, because I had 1099 jobs for a long time. So I didn't have unemployment. So yeah. I was drawing from my savings whenever I was unemployed. So it was rough. And ultimately, in the end, I want to end up being an ADHD coach. Well, you know what? You should be an ADHD coach because our best purposes give meaning to our past. And I'm sure there are things now that you see because of your experiences that other people can't see. And there are people that you can relate to because of your experiences and they can relate to you better than anybody else. Again, because of what, you know, the things that you have been through. So I'm curious why you're always the hardest worker at any job that allows you the freedom to create a process. Why do you think that is? Okay. Oh, I love that. When, when I create a process, that's, that's my own. I did this with, um, with trucking and during the, the trucking strikes. Wait, wait, with, <laughs> with trucking? Is that what you just said? With trucking? Yeah. With, I was a recruiter. We had started off as, as um, marketing for different vertical and we ended up completely taking over that vertical within a couple of months, myself and another girl and two other ladies and myself and the other girl were the new ones. And the two other ladies were there and we ended up, you know, where they just needed to maintain that business. We needed to find another vertical to go into. And we went into trucking and this was just before COVID. So there was the trucking strikes and everything like that. And I had the highest higher rate and that was getting the trust, the trust, you know, and what ended up happening, though, before that was we had been partnered with a recruiter. We were just sending appointments for this recruiting company, you know, for the for the recruiters. And we, you know, they weren't getting us drivers. So I mm -hmm. started trying it just for the heck of it. And I kind of learned why. And we started digging into their process because they wanted to just gut the entire company and get new recruiters. And the, you know, just get rid of their partner. And I was like, well, no, there's people there. This guy has a baby. This guy has, you know, so I was like, maybe we can help them. And one of the things was they were working on phones in anywhere. He's like, yeah, I give them the freedom to work from anywhere. And I'm like, well, I needed like three screens. <laughs> I, was like, I said, so they might need at least a computer yeah. where they can split their screen. And you know, and I said, I'm noticing that in your Slack, that was their communication, that they're asking questions and they don't have answers. And they're referring to the carrier as, um, you know, does anybody know if and then they would use the carrier name and not the individual's name? And I knew what their names were. I was like, do they have their numbers? Can they ask them these questions? Because you can't just guess or tell the driver what they want to hear. Right. So I created a whole new process, changed the name of, you know, recruiter to driver advocate. And I put things, you know, where I had them put things into the contracts that the carriers were responsible as well. 
for their success. So I became a client success manager. I was an onboard person who, you know, onboarded carriers, took down all the information so that we could relay that to the recruiters. And then I was a recruiter. That got overwhelming. <laughs> so they actually so had So what you came in there though, you know, the other part might've been overwhelming, but you came in there to do, which it sounds like you're brilliant at, is to look at the big picture, make the connections yeah. and make things better. But right. then once you make it better, do you have the sense that, okay, my job's done. I need to go on to the next project where I can make something better. I didn't with that because mm -hmm. I, I really got attached to good carriers and good drivers. I ah. love truck drivers. So was they it were... the relationships then that kept you in the connection? Oh, it was the connection. Yeah, it kept mm -hmm. me in a lot. But the, unfortunately, they didn't have the bandwidth at the company to, you know, continue to do that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just got to the point where I was like, I'm out. And I quit. I still love those people, but I quit and went to another company. So, yeah. and there I did not have the freedom. So then when I was with Sam Ivy, I had the freedom and it was working. It was working, but unfortunately they, they couldn't continue with the sales team. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry about that. It's all right. Now I'm going to be helping seniors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you said, you also said in your email that you found success through your innate ability to listen around corners and through walls to read people and their needs and care enough to help. What do you right. mean? Listen around corners, through walls. Well, you know, one of the things that I had to do, this is just going back to that example, was train, you know, out my recruiters to listen to the driver because we had one one point, like 30 different carriers. And we had a spreadsheet saying, you know, that this carrier offers healthcare. This is over the road. They're going to be on the road for three weeks at a time. And then this one's local and this one's this, that, and the other things. So the questions that you had to ask, you know, it was basically, you know, where are you located? And then you would see if they if there's any local carriers for them, but you had to listen to what they were saying. If they just said that they had a baby, you're going to want to get them a local carrier. Yeah. And if they say that they just had a baby and they're looking at an over-the-road carrier and all they're seeing is a cents per mile, you know, you say, look, they're going to be needing drivers in the future, but don't you think you're going to want to be home? And it was that kind of caring that really, you know, resonated with the drivers because I was listening to them and I was trying to do the best for them. And I also didn't want the carrier to lose that driver because they come to the realization, oh, this is too much. And wow, now that the baby's here, it's kind of cute. I think I want to stay home with it. You know, mm -hmm. so it was things like that. And uh, just hearing a person, understanding what they're saying and knowing that there's more to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what you're saying is that you almost know what oftentimes isn't spoken, and that yeah. is what you include in your determination of what you're going to do next. Right, right. And even over the phone, because I did phone sales my whole life, uh, I can hear where a person is at. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel them. There's, there's a lot of empathy that comes with this, this gift, as Dr. Hallowell calls it. And I get it. I get it. And, you know, they're angry. You know, if somebody's angry at, at, at another carrier and you, you listen to why and, you know, oh, they told me that they would have APUs. That's their heat and their air conditioning. So if they're driving and you know, they get caught in a snowstorm and you never know when that's going to happen and they can't pull over. They need to have the heat and that's an APU. And they told me they'd have that and they didn't have that. And I'd feel for them. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, did you get in trouble with that? You know, what happened? And, and a lot of sales, you know, people think you have to get on the phone and get off quick. It's a, it's a numbers game. But with that, we had to adapt. You need to hear these guys out, especially when you have driver's strikes going on. Yeah. 
So, you know, these guys, and, and they were so necessary. Some of them were a little bit, you know, their heads were a little bit inflated. And you kind of had to go with that, you know? It's like, if, if I wasn't driving a truck, you wouldn't have food. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> I don't, you know, I just keep my mouth shut. And I'm like, well, yeah, you guys are super valuable. But if you want a job, I need to know what you need, you know? So, yeah, it's it's a lot of listening and and caring. Well, and it sounds like with the employer, too, is what you're saying, that you're listening to what it is that they're saying, but also looking to see what they actually need. And in that way, you don't climb ladders, but you create your own rungs, right? You create the the job that they don't even know that they need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that happened with another company. They wanted me to go on the road and do sales. And I'm terrified of flying, Tracy. I'm just terrified of it. And so it's more dangerous to, to drive in your car. I know, I know. Statistically, <laughs> it's unreasonable, but my, my brain still is terrified. Damn it! Right? Yes, exactly, exactly. And it was done it once on my own, and it was very stressful. That's a long story, but anyway, I and I would love to do it on vacation when there's no pressure to be anywhere. You know what I'm saying? That would be something that I would love to do. But so wasn't just that I had noticed in meetings that they were saying that there's a 30% subscription rate drop-off, like a cancellation. Mm-hmm. And this this particular company, it was for schools. And I I told Bears when he interviewed me, I was like, I don't want to do sales. I think we need retention. Yeah. And so that started, he was like, well, you know, how do, I've been thinking about that, but how do you think we ought to get it started? And I said, well, you have something on the you know, website saying that whether or not they're using it or not, so you can gauge you know, which ones are not using it. I said, I can call them and find out why, and then pass them off to the department that they need to talk to to fix the issue before they cancel, because it was such a class link, by the way, such a phenomenal product, such a phenomenal product. It's, it's a single sign-on for kids, right? So yeah, single sign on. It's like one pass. I used to say it's one password rules them all. And, and they would have everything right in front of them on one desktop. Mm -hmm. So boy, does that work for ADHD or anyone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could put all of your class things, all of your applications that you need, all of your notes, everything in one folder and go. I'm, I'm sure it's improved since then. Absolutely phenomenal. And you know, it ended up snowballing into a huge department for retention. And it couldn't have happened to a better company, a better person. I, I love Bearsh and, and Susan, his wife. It was a really, you know, it worked. So they ended up sending people out to school so that they could have in-person classes and and increase employees there. We we had to hire a bunch of people to help teach the teachers, how to learn. I would say to the directors, I was like, when you get on, this was like Zoom calls. When you get on with Lindsay, I want you to be on with your most, you know, tech resistant teacher that you have so they can hear Lindsay out and they can show her how to use it or him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see see how they feel about it afterwards. And I'm like, because I am a complete, I'm not going to use the word because it's not politically correct, but I would say tech something else at the end of it. And, (laughs) and I would say, and I know how to use this and I love it. And I use it every day for work. So they would take that meeting, even though they were ready to cut that, that app and it helped. So that's the kind of thing. It's like creating your own wrongs. I kind of, it's like the ER, we're really good with, you know, ER and triage. Yeah. As with ADHD, that's one of our things. That was kind of, I can see a big picture and, and see need. Yeah, absolutely. So Jen, what do you think the key to living with successfully with ADHD is? Oh, it's a lot. Learning about it and doing your own thing individually uh, you know, figuring out what works for you. I know that right now my entire like 
trying to get my house organized to where I want it, right? Like I have chargers every spot in the house and just living with gratitude and and finding ways that work for you that, you know, until you get it right. And that's one of the main things. Meditation is huge for me. I have to stop. And Dr. Hollowell said this in one of his books, that meditation doesn't have to be for 10, 15 minutes. No. You can just breathe yep. in your into your belly, you know, that I think they call it box breathing, four seconds in, four seconds out. I could do that three or four times and it kind of resets my mind. But it's a muscle that I've been working. Meditation and gratitude are both muscles. You have to think of it that way. You work them. And like you say, exercise. I'm just starting Spark now, Tracy. I'm so excited. I have some required listening because I listen to everything for work. So I'm going to be getting back to it. But yes, exercise, I can't even express when I'm exercising hasn't even made a difference in my body yet. And I feel better. It's the endorphins. It's everything that really feeds your brain, you know, and um, it's just the Alexa alarms works, you know, setting, setting alarms. I don't have Alexa in this room, so I can, but I'm still whispering because she makes me nervous. I know you're going to turn mine on. (laughs) A-L-E-X-A. Exactly. Well, Jen, you are just a delight. Your optimism, your gratitude, your kindness, you're an inspiration for anyone. And you're so bright. You're so industrious. You're such a problem solver that any company is lucky to have you, truly. So I am just so grateful that you came and talked to us. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you, everything that you do. I know everyone says this to you, but it really, the vitamin, the vitamin connect, all of it. It's just, I love your voice. And when I hear it, it brings me up. And makes me feel like I'm capable. I appreciate you, Tracy. Thank you. Well, you you are beyond capable, Jen. So if someone is listening and they want to reach out to you, what would be the best? Well, first of all, can they? And then if they can, where can they do it? Or how can they do it? I love that. What what I'm going to be trying to do is getting a blog going so that I can actually, you know, monetize a little bit of the knowledge as I'm going along to teach people. And, you know, I'll have links in there eventually. And if they could follow me on that, that would be absolutely wonderful. Once it's up, I can let them know. But until then, I believe I sent Grace some links to my Facebook page. They are welcome to message me and just say, hey, let me know when it's up. I'll be there to, you know, just do whatever they need to do with the blog to help support my journey to become an ADHD coach. Right now, I don't have the money. You deserve to be an ADHD coach. I honestly think you could help so many people because, again, you've got this intimate knowledge. And there there are people who they won't believe me, but they'll absolutely believe you because your experience, you know, it's all about our experiences, right? So you're going to have so much more credibility than I ever would. And Oh, no. um, No, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you have been through a lot of things and yet you are still so cheerful and so optimistic. And you realize that it's part of your story, right? It makes you who you are. And that is such a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you've taught me that. I really appreciate that. Okay, so wait, if they want to go to Facebook, where do they go? Like, how do they find you on Facebook? It's Jennifer Combs. They can find me at Jen Combs, Jen Combs. Okay, so it's J-E-N-K-O-H-M-S. That's right, that's okay. right. And I sent I sent a link to Grace if you wanted to put it in your show notes. Well, I have a link here that says jcombs68. That's why I'm asking. Oh, that's my that's my email. It could be the, the Facebook link. I'll see, you know what I'll do? I'll send it to your email that you were so gracious to actually answer. Took me two days to absorb that, but... um. <laughs> I can send Wait, it to I you. Wait, I want to find, hold right? on one second. So Nico, cut all this out of us talking here, but because I want to find her, <laughs> I want to find the link so that they can go directly to it. So I'm going to look for Jen Combs. I'm just worried that there's like going to be a million of them and people won't. Is it Canine Advocate at Sam Ivy? Is that it? Um, I'm yeah, that's, add you that's as a friend. Yeah, I got to change that, but that's what, yeah. Okay, okay so 
I'm going to ask you again. Um, so if people want <laughs> to find you, where can they go? And then you're going to say, go to Jen, spell it, Jen Combs on Facebook, because okay. there's really only one Jane Combs that I'm seeing here. So let's start over, Jen. So sure. Jen, if people want to reach out to you. Where can they find you? Well, you can message me on Facebook and the name is Jen, J-E-N. And the last name is K is in kangaroo, O is in otter, H is in horse, M is in monkey, S as in snake. Wonderful. So message you at Jen Combs on Facebook. That's right. Yes. Jen, yes. thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I was absolutely thrilled to be talking to you. I appreciate you. Well, I'm thrilled to be talking to you too. So have a wonderful day. And that is what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Jen, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.